Good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is January 3rd, 2021. And this is our first summer of the new year. Man, if you were here with us on New Year's Eve, what a special night to hear the testimonies, yeah. unprompted, unscripted, but bubbling forth from the souls of the people in this house. Your pastors have clear direction for you. Your elders, they are dialed in to a heavenly yeah, military intelligence. And beyond all blessings, as if that wasn't enough, we have Pastor Nick Slaughter with us in the house today. With his family and disciples here with him today, we're going to be so blessed by them. Man, isn't it good to have family with us? Well, look, today, church, the times that we live in are like the times of Jeremiah. There's no remedy for this world. There's no remedy for its systems, its teachers, or its church leaders who believe that the justice of God will sleep forever. However, we learn something, though. We learn that we are the remedy. You are the remedy. In fact, the enemy has no remedy for the saints of God who have experienced a full metamorphosis into what the groom is. However, we know there's a famine coming. These are the days and years that we must gather and store up faithfulness and gratefulness so that those are the very things that are coming out of our heart in the years ahead. Amen. So we want to give you some further direction this morning. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Well, we're going to begin our Joseph's Storehouse series today, heading in this direction. And the title of today's sermon is Gathering Gratefulness. Amen. So as y'all turn to Genesis 41, let us set the context of this passage for you. So at this point, Joseph has experienced difficulties that have developed the divine in him. See, it works for him the same way that it works for us. And at this point, Pharaoh has had two confirming dreams that none of his false and worthless prophets could interpret. Joseph has heard from the heavens and given the right word at the right time to direct the people of Egypt and the rest of the world towards salvation. What was the prophecy? Seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine. So y'all look at verse 46. And let's pick up here in Genesis 41. Joseph was 30 years old. How old was he? 30. When he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. He was 30 years old. That's time for priests to rise up, right? Amen. Abundance. This is plentifully. The land is producing plentifully. Do y'all know that you are in a house of abundance? I mean, do you really know it? How many times have you heard that song right before service begins? That song is a song of abundance. I have heard that song a thousand times, and I still get jacked up when I hear it. Some of y'all know about the first garage that this ministry was in at Kettle Run. Those, those, that was my days way back then, way back before time began. I want you to know from the bottom of my heart what I'm about to say is totally unprompted. There's nobody that's telling me to say this. I am giving this to you freely because I want you to hear it. I was transformed by the genuine love for Jesus that I saw in these men. Transformed. Their selflessness toward me and my family forever shaped the way that we would uh, minister. Their trust in the word of God built me into the man I am. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. Their trust in the word of God built me into the man that I am. I am still fighting to catch up to the way that they modeled dependence on the Holy Spirit and prayer. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Coming here for us is coming home. Amen. They have multiplied exponentially in these things. Y'all heard the saying, familiarity can breed contempt? Yeah. Sometimes you forget how the outside world is. Some of y'all came in here and you had wonderful uh, uh, gratitude because of how great this church was. Sometimes the enemy wants to sneak in over the years and make you forget how it was before you came into this body. 
I can assure you that this is a house of abundance. I've been in churches for 37 years and been to many around the country, and this church is at the top of the list. I am eternally grateful for the way that they have helped shape me as a man of God. Do you feel that way about this church? Church, you have been blessed. We have been blessed to be a part of a house of abundance. Let's look at verse 48 to see how our story in Genesis 41 continues. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in cities. It took cities to store what he was doing. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain. Somebody say huge. Huge. Like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. What is it like for a Jew to stop keeping records of what you're collecting? (laughs) It's miraculous. The Red Sea hasn't yet opened, but you see how God is going to be able to do that. See, in these same ways, Joseph is collecting the food that's produced. I love standing on this stage with Pastor Slaughter. I love what he just shared from his heart. He has been, he has been best blessed by this house just as I have, just as we have. Has anybody else been blessed by this house? Yes. The abundance of what God is doing. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain. They were trying to get you to understand in the scriptures. So they said, you know, like the sand by the seashore. That what he begins to collect is so much that he stopped keeping records of it. Now, why is that necessary? Why is it important that we grasp that this morning? Because the times of famine are going to try to come and eat up all of those things. But Joseph has been given the right word at the right time. And he is storing an abundant supply that would not be exhausted. He is storing an abundant supply that will endure through the entirety of the famine. And not only did he have this abundant supply, but what he was gathering what he was collecting, what he was taking in, had to be enough for the entirety of the world. We think about it as the famine in Egypt, but what is it that drew God's people later on to this place was because of what Joseph did in gathering the gratefulness of his own heart, in gathering the grain there. He had enough and had an abundant supply that was designed to go and feed the entire world at the time. Reminds me of Psalm 81.10. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. See that attitude of gratitude, that gathering of the grain of, of gratefulness inside of our hearts allows us to open our mouths and he fills it. It allows us to, to build the right kind of storehouses and it begins to fill it because we have the attitude of gratefulness. We are gathering the grain of gratefulness. This is, by the way, a word that the Lord spoke to us in recent years. He said, open your mouth and I will fill it. He said, begin this process, and I'm going to give you enough resources that it can make it through any kind of famine that may be coming. Even before we knew that there's a famine coming, he's been gracious enough to provide an abundant supply, as a matter of fact, so much that we quit keeping record of it. We get to a New Year's Eve, and we're like, oh, that was this year. Oh, that, that, that happened this year. Remember that? Yes, because the Lord is pouring out in a very special way in this house. It has been a blessing to watch how God has supernaturally provided for this house this year. As Nick was sharing some of the sincerity of his heart about the early years, and I'm thinking about Psalm 8110 of open wide your mouth and fill it. I'm brought back to a a memory of shortly before Nick came to LCM in those early days. Eric and I were sitting in front of a coffee shop. And we were, we were distraught. We were, felt like in the middle of a famine of discipleship. We began to open our mouths and cry out, Lord, where are the young men who hunger and thirst for your word? Where are the young men who want discipleship that we know that we can pour our lives into and that will replicate and go further with what we have and who we are? It was not a week later that Nick was walking into that garage church on Kettle Run. He had a pencil in hand, and he was tapping on everything that was available. <laughs> Dropping beats, beep 
full of life and full of joy. And as we went into that first worship service, I, we immediately identified that, Lord, you are bringing in this abundant of harvest of discipleship. And man, can I tell you how hard it was for us to be able to let these guys go? That God had filled our house with disciples, and these were some of the first fruits. But we knew that as we would surrender them to the Lord, that God would make more disciples just like them. And that what we're surrounded and filled with now is a church that is part of our family, that it fills us with gratitude. It fills us with gratefulness that what we open our mouth about in the early years, God has been filling it year after year. Let's look at verse 50. And the story continues, before the years of famine came. Before, and take note of that, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. In the naming of his son, declaring the function, he is declaring a gratefulness of what God has accomplished. He continues in verse 52, the second son, he named Ephraim and said, it's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Another testimony, a living son that declares gratefulness of what God has done in the land of suffering. See, Joseph is not just gathering grain. He is gathering gratefulness. We see this in what he is pronouncing and declaring over his very lineage and the generations that are carry his name forward. Look, like Jeremiah's day, he was building his family. He was increasing, not decreasing in number. In this time of suffering, in fact, his children's names are a testimony of gratefulness of what God has already done in Joseph's life. So but begin to put this together in the names of Manasseh and Ephraim. He is reflecting back of receiving that coat of many colors as a favor of his father. That very thing that then led to a being thrown into the pit of persecution. He was delivered out of that pit of persecution. He was brought into Potiphar's household, rose to the point of being a favored servant, only to then be a prisoner of false testimony. See, what we see in the names of these children of Joseph, we see Joseph's experience of going from a time of abundance into a time of famine. You see that he has repped this many times, and therefore he is able to lead this nation through famine because he's already experienced in gathering the grain of gratefulness time after time again. He is therefore competent to lead in times of famine because he's proven faithful again and again by gathering the grain of gratefulness in the time of abundance that then will feed everyone for the time of famine. Amen. It, maybe is it working? Here we go. Did you catch what, catch what Pastor Matt just said? He is competent to lead in times of famine. Not just competent to survive. In times of famine, not bitter through times of famine, competent to lead in times of famine because he had proven faithful in gathering the grain of gratefulness. And that matters because of what happens here in verse 53 it says the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. Have you ever had times of abundance come to an end? And we're still grateful. And the seven years of famine began just as Joseph said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, say feel the famine. Feel the famine. The people cried to Pharaoh for food. You know, a famine can begin and you don't yet feel it. It takes a little bit of time and then you begin to feel it. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. That was good for Pharaoh to recommend that everybody go listen to this Jewish man. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses. You see, the famine had begun. The people were feeling the famine. And what did Joseph do? 
opened the storehouses. Now, you may not get where we're going, but let me tell you, this is key. The famine has begun. The people are feeling the famine. And Joseph opens the storehouses during the famine and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. You want to know why I ended up here and not somewhere else? Because there was a famine in the land that still actually exists. And I came here because there was a storehouse here. Time of famine is spreading. This is the time to open the storehouses. There's a famine happening in the world around us. Don't worry, people of the rest of the world. The people of God have the storehouses. This is like a gunshot going off for us. This is like the race beginning. Everything has been building up to this moment for us. Do y'all feel that? These are the times that we are living in. And we've been preparing for this moment. While the rest of the world has been partying and taking it easy and taking time off, we've been sacrificing. We've been gathering grains of gratefulness. And now that the famine is beginning to spread through the land, open the storehouses. Hardships have been preparing us for this. This is an exciting time for the people of God. Come on, this is such an exciting time for this house and for the people of God. In the midst of what has gone on in the last year, you have brought your tithes more into the storehouse than ever before. Malachi 3 verse 10 says this, and I want you to understand it in this context. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be found, may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not room enough to store it. Yes. See... But you've got to understand in this, what comes first? The, what comes first is the tithe. What comes first is the sacrifice. And when you sacrifice first, when you count it your joy to have that full price sacrifice mentality on you, then you're able to see what the rest of this verse has to bring. You bring in your first fruit. Somebody say first fruits. Before you see the rest of it come in, you give of your first fruit. You're not tipping God with 10%. You might give your waiter 20%, but you're surely not supposed to tip God your 10%. You bring the first fruits to him. See, it's about gathering of gratefulness during the process of sacrifice that allows you to see him pour out into you. That process that's at work. What happens when someone leaves this house? Why do they become so embittered? Why is that the case? It's because maybe they've had some sacrifice. But see, I've already done that. I've already given. I gave to the Lord and nothing happened. I tried what you said and nothing happened. We're telling you today that the answer for this is not just the sacrifice, but it's the sacrifice with the gratefulness, with the grains of gratefulness that are abounding inside of you. Church, and we can say this, it's not a theory to us. We've tested him. Test me in this. We have. We absolutely know the direction that we're supposed to go. We have seen it time and time and time again. We've seen it in your lives. This is not a theory. We've tested and he continues to pour out upon us that we don't even have the room to store it. And if you think that's not true, just look at our kids department. (laughs) The truth is, is we have learned here in this house and you are learning that you sacrifice all so that you can become a storehouse for all. Did you hear that important point that Pastor Wade pointed out? It's not only a matter of sacrificing. It's sacrificing with gratefulness that's there. When there's gratefulness that's leading your sacrifice, you have no problem sacrificing all. You know exactly the abundance from which God is going to pull from and supply your every need. And when you're sacrificing all, you become a storehouse for all. It's about the trajectory of what God is going to do. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 50, and we'll start in verse 4. The sovereign Lord 
has given me. Say given me. Given me. Let me read it again. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. I am so grateful personally to be standing here right now and glean from this very verse that I can stand confidently and know that my God has given me an abundance to the point I am grateful that I have a well-instructed tongue. That us as a church, that we have a well-instructed tongue. And as the verse continues, it speaks to this. To know the word, the right word for the right time that sustains the weary. And come on, he wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I've offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. I am grateful for this opportunity to sacrifice all. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. When this verse begins with the understanding of what the Lord has given me, what is the Lord already giving us? So much, so much that's beyond being able to record that we needed that time in New Year's Eve to refresh our memories and recount the good things, the grateful things that God has accomplished. Didn't that revive your soul to hear yes. those testimonies? Yes. We need that. We need that ability to hear in order to be here in a state of gratefulness, to Throw off every, take captive every thought that wants to turn away, that wants to be rebellious, to put it on their foot and replace it with an attitude of being grateful. That then leads to an, a, a desire to be sacrificial, that gratefulness of wanting to sacrifice all. Did you hear in this passage, I offered my back. I did not hide my face. Come on, this is the way that you are having the same attitude that Jesus did. This is speaking directly about Jesus, reflecting of Hebrews 12, verse 2, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorning its shame, that it was an attitude of gratefulness that he wanted to sacrifice all so that he could make people into a storehouse for all. Amen. Jesus stored up the grain of gratefulness. Joseph stored up the grain of gratefulness. And the imperative, church, is that we must store up the grain of gratefulness. Amen. Well, this year has been one of epic proportions of prosperity. A Leviticus 26 prosperity blessed us in abundance of marriages and children, souls and provision. But let me put even a greater depth to that understanding of prosperity. That this year has been an even greater testimony of abundance due to the famine that we have experienced this year. Amen. COVID could not counter the abundance of God filling our storehouses with a grain of Amen. gratefulness this Amen. year. We see this in Psalm 33, 18. Let me read it to you. It is, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Come on. We wait in hope for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, Amen. for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And this is all being demonstrated in a time of famine, gratefulness being demonstrated. Look, we want to take a moment to gather the grain of gratefulness and recount some testimonies that we heard about how God has abundantly blessed us this year. We want to focus on the storehouse here at LCM. What first comes to mind is Miss Randy Smith. This year, come on, Randy. This year, she is grateful for the grain of having another son this year. That brings the, the, the count to number three when she was originally told she was to have none. He was a little zygote of gratefulness that has appeared. <laughs> that is now running around in part of our storehouse. <laughs> 
But yet, there's more. In addition to having an abundance of children that doctors said that she couldn't, she was healed of cancer this year. That God washed away the report and gave her a clean slate and a bill of health. That this year we watched her be sustained with abundance and a particular type of abundance. Abundance of gratefulness. Hasn't her life, hasn't her attitude demonstrated gratefulness? It's been a testimony that's not only here at LCM, but it's extended to all the One Association churches. See, when I think of other people who have also gathered the grain of gratefulness... I think about the man who opened us up today, Marlon Sosa. Yeah. I think about a son that actually drowned and that God brought back from the dead. Wow. I, I, wow. I watched this family be blessed with another, a beautiful little girl, Luna. You've seen some gratefulness, the grains of gratefulness that have been brought into this family. He, they had a child brought back from the dead. They had a child brought back to life. I'm talking about something that this house can be yeah. grateful for, yeah. that we can fill our storehouses with, is that kind of gratefulness. Come on, I sat in the back of the room as you guys were giving testimonies over and over again, and I rejoiced with my brother and sister, Judah and Sasha, as they told the story of Jehu and his healing, and how he has no infirmities today. Tears in my eyes as I rejoiced with you guys as you were showering on me the grains of gratefulness from the testimonies. Hey, I can't help but think of Bem's testimony. We've all been family with him through this process. And the staple that has built this house, I watched come about and bear fruit in his life and family. And that staple foundational cornerstone is that when it comes to dealing with your natural family, you stand on the high ground of God's word, the standard of who he is, and you invite your family up to it. It doesn't matter the tension. It doesn't matter the feelings of obligation. God's word reigns supreme. And it is the standard to hold to. And as a result, his family is repenting and elevating up to that standard. That's such a good word. I look at the Thomas family. I look at Steve and Joyce and remember the struggles to have baby number one. That beautiful little blonde-haired, blue-eyed thing running around this house. And they are ready to receive baby number two. That should bring gratefulness to this house. Look, while I'm also talking about it, I'm looking at Eve standing at the back corner. I'm looking at Eve holding a baby. I'm thinking about the Zakari family overcoming in every way, holding on to strength. Ibrahim is doing things that he never even thought possible. He's doing now more on three hours of sleep a night than he's ever done on the 12 hours that he got every day before that. That man has got some gratefulness going on in his heart. This is a house where the grains of gratefulness are growing in every way. Come on, I grabbed a big, full, big bowl full of grains of gratefulness. Yeah. Steel cut. As Rob shared the story of his sons getting filled with the Spirit. Being grateful all along the way, thanking God, knowing that it was going to happen, and then watching him do it, that gratefulness moved me. Church, I want to remind you, and I mentioned it earlier, but I want you to get it. It was in our end-of-the-year slideshow. This has been the best giving year that this church has ever had. Our tithes have been more than any amount that we've ever collected. And we had almost that same amount given in offerings this year. We've almost doubled the best year that this church has ever had. In the midst of famine, you are propelling us forward. We give one out of every $3 that comes in to, to the missionaries, to the One Association. We give one out of every $3. Who does that? The people who do that are the people who have an abundance. They understand the grain of gratefulness and realize what God is doing in our midst. And on top of all that, that's just this year. That's just been the last 12 months in this house. We could go back and show any year before that. But we're just taking this year and showing you that the storehouses, that the grain of our gratefulness should be overflowing yes. from us because of what yes. God is doing. Somebody say what he is doing. What he is doing. Come on. These are the grains of gratefulness that are designed to feed us during the famine. Yeah. You see? 
When we recall all of God's goodness, when we recall all the ways that he has provided, all the ways he's been faithful, we have stored up grains of gratefulness. And when there's a famine, we pull from that. Do you see that? They provide for us during persecution. The growth that the churches have seen over this last year in every way would be a testimony during normal times. But against the backdrop of the famine that the world has experienced, it is nothing short of miraculous. We have to grasp that. It's important to be able to look at the prosperous year that God has given the people of God against the backdrop of what's happening in this world. How many times have you walked out of this community experiencing just normal life and then you go back into the, the real world and it's, everybody's crazy and you just forgot? Oh, yeah, I forgot. We're supposed to be afraid. Or... Right? You see, faith is displayed as you are gathering the grain. Faith is displayed while you are waiting on the storehouse to open. Faith is displayed with every grain of gratefulness that you gather. You have every reason for confidence, church. You have every reason for gratefulness in here. We have the grain of gratefulness overflowing beyond measure that will supply what we need for the famine that has begun. See, in Genesis 47, 13 through 27, we actually get to see them start to draw from the grain that they've stored up over the year. In verse 13, we see there was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. What will we do? Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying. And he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. What do you do when you can't go out in the backyard and grab a tomato? What do you do when you go to the pantry and there's no more rice checks? It's empty. You say, let's go to the store. And let's exchange our money for some food. You see, the pantries might get empty, but there's always food at the storehouse. Now, you're going to have to sacrifice something for it. But you will be able to draw on a never-ending supply when you have stored up grains of gratefulness. That's a good word. Had so much power, it turned my microphone off. Look. I, I, they, I can't stop. I'm going to back up, shut up, let up. I, I got this. I'm grateful. I'm super grateful. The idea that it requires sacrifice for you to be able to receive from this unending source. Look at verse 15. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone. <laughs> I've resembled that remark many times in my life. <laughs> All Egypt came to Joseph and said, give us food. Give us food. That was their cry at the first part. This is their cry now. Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. It, can anybody ever been able to say that in your life? I'm a, it's all gone. It's not just gone. <laughs> it's not just gone. It's all gone. <laughs> then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. But Lord, I've given all that I have. I've given everything, Lord. It's all been given to you. That was your money. He's, Joseph looks at him and says, you still got more. All your money's gone, but that's not all that you have. Give us your livestock. Bring that to me, and I will sell the food to you. Verse 17, so they brought their livestock to Joseph. And he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, their goats, their cattle, their donkeys. And he brought them through that year. Yeah. Man, don't we like to think about this in terms of minutes or, or a few days? Oh, it does. Give me your livestock and I will give you enough food to make it through this year. 
When the money is gone, that's a year that ticks by. When your livestock is gone, that's another year that ticks by in this famine. See, what is going on is that it requires ever-increasing amounts of grateful sacrifice for you to receive what you need. But I have given him my all. Yeah, that was then. This is now. I want to tell you, church, that there are some in the house that are realizing and you're thinking, and we want this to be as incredibly as encouraging as possible. We even took time to readjust ourselves in the, in the midst of worship so that this is encouraging. Let me say this in the most encouraging way that I possibly can. If you have not yet been storing up grains of gratefulness in your life, this is the year to do it. Now is the time. You might be looking and going, I don't have a storehouse. I, be, I don't even have a pantry. I got a little, a little box on the shelf. Now that's all right. It's not all right, but now is the time to fix it. Now is the time to begin and understand that these grains of gratefulness is what's going to sustain you year after year after year with an abundant supply that will not be exhausted. This is the, somebody say, this is the year. If you look back at Joseph when he was going through all the stuff that he had gone through, Pastor Matt walked us through all those difficulties. Can't you see how it would have been very easy for him to become bitter in all those hardships? With what Pastor Wade just said, if you realize that you have become bitter because of how much it has cost you or the hardships that you've gone through, the sacrifice is inevitable. You're going to set, once you sign up with Christ, sacrifice is inevitable. But you can go through it getting bitter all the way and it becomes this torturous, slow death. Or you can be grateful like Joseph was and he was ready to lead through the family. Come on, Pastor. You know what gratefulness does? It takes what makes other people bitter and it makes you blessed. It brings that bitterness and takes it right out. And you're able to say exactly what the people say in verse 17. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. You're able to reflect back and see how grateful it was when all of our money was gone. We had livestock to be able to give. And we are grateful for the opportunity that we have someone who is competent to lead us through a famine. Well, let's look at verse 18 and see how this progresses. When that year was over. They came to him the following year and said, we cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Come on, we've given you except. all of our cash. We've given you all of our livestock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one thing or two things, my life and the generations. Right? What you would pass on as an inheritance. Come on, I, we've had the opportunity in this year to be able to reflect back and see how the Lord has been preparing us for the day that we're standing in right now, blessed in abundance. You know what my mind goes back to? When we first start homeschooling our children, we brought them close. We brought them in. People thought that we were definitely a cult because we were doing homeschool. And we confused them thoroughly because our children knew how to dress themselves and brush their own hair. So the, we were winning. Well, th that caught traction. It became a staple and a foundation of who we were. And then we began to have households that were combining efforts together, living in the same household. Now they were certain that we were crazy and we were in a cult. But what has proven true in this time is that we were giving all over that sacrifice of all out of gratefulness because we knew that we had a competent king who could lead us through famine. That there's so many households in this church that were unfazed, untouched by COVID. That you are still standing strong, not even seeing a blip in daily life and what God, God is providing through. But when you are isolated, man, when famine hits, it destroys you. It knocks your knees from, uh, out from underneath you. You're not able to stand. But what that should do in this moment right now, what you can begin to store up, is a gratefulness that you have a body to join in with, combine households, and see God provide in abundance. But before Pastor Slaughter takes over here, I want to encourage you. Isn't this a normal part of Christianity and a part of our lives? There's nothing left for our Lord except 
Oh, yeah, this one. Hey, Christy, I need you to be ready. Are you ready? I am ready to leave. Except I now need to brush my teeth, fix my hair, and put on my shoes. But I, I wait, I don't, think we I don't think we're speaking the same language. Are you, I am ready, husband. Babe, I am ready. Except for these things. Then you're not ready. I've sacrificed it all. Except. Are we, are we like the widow with our oil? I don't have anything except a little oil. I don't have anything left to give. I've given it all. Except. See, when you realize, oh my goodness, I'm so grateful for every level that the Lord realizes and causes me to recognize that I have something left to give to him. I'm going to do this. I'm not lamenting it. There's no bitterness here. I am so grateful. I just realized I have more to give to him. What a grateful attitude this is. And it's going to take us somewhere amazing. Man, verse 19, they say, why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Do you see how the physicality of this seed and this famine, they were embracing the idea, if we don't get that from him, we will die. So whatever it is that we're trying to protect or hold on to, it doesn't even matter if we're dead. So we have to go get what he has because that's what we need to even live. We don't need this to live. I don't need to be a free man to live. I need to get what he has to live. And so they say, buy us. We say, redeem us. And our land in exchange for that food. Because we need that food. And we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh, us slaves to God. And here's the turning point of the whole story. This is where everything changes. Because in the middle of famine, most of the times it's easy to just want to survive. I just want to survive. So much isolation has happened because people just want to survive. I just need to survive. But all of a sudden it changes and they say, give us seed. You know what someone who thinks that the world is about to end isn't thinking about? Future generations. You know what someone who's just waiting to die isn't thinking about? How to thrive. In the midst of famine. And they say give us seed. All of a sudden we see a change. And they're going we have a future. We have a future and it's not time to die for us. Give us seed so that we may live and not die. People of God, that is our cry. Give us seed right now. Everybody may be panicking and going crazy. No one knows what they're doing. Everybody's ripping themselves apart. And the people of God walk up with confidence and say, give us seed. That the land may not become desolate. You see, the years of previous sacrifice have prepared us for this. We have gathered grains of gratefulness. We've learned how to survive during hardship. We've learned how to give what is temporary and perishes for that which is eternal. And so we have a storehouse that is beyond measure. Gratefulness removes the need for the store and helps you become the storehouse. Do you see? Give us seed. Now all of a sudden I become this miniature storehouse walking around. Do you see that? I'm not just looking for what I need today, but because of gratefulness, I'm looking for what is needed for future generations. That's a shift in perspective. That's a shift because gratefulness enables you to do that during the hardest of times. And now we're going to take this gratefulness, this seed of great, and we're going to plant it in faith. Do you see that? We're going to cultivate this hard, dry ground, and we're going to plant these seeds of gratefulness in faith, and they will produce a harvest for future generations. Come on, what a good word. Now give us seed. We want to live and not die, and we're worried about the land because the land is representing these generations that are yet to come. We're going to be able to stay thriving. Look at verse 23. Joseph said to the people, now that I have 
redeemed you and your land today for Pharaoh. Here is seed so that you can plant the ground. Now that you've given the full sacrifice, now without exception, you've given your all. He's saying that I will give you the seed so that you can begin to work the ground for what is coming. <laughs> Pastor Slaughter said it so well. You're not just waiting to die in the famine. God's people. I mean, I'm talking in this story where Jews and Gentiles are together, united under this one Jewish king of Joseph. The, they're always ones who are set on multiplying during the famine that's in the world. Come on now, church. you got to set your heart towards multiplying in the season that's ahead, towards having these grains of gratefulness that are just overflowing in the storehouse that you are. See, those who have stored up gratefulness, those who have given their all, they are ready to multiply. Y'all are doing a good job with your kids. We're just going to keep multiplying in every area of our life. Look at verse 24. But when the crop comes in, you hear the faith in that? What do they have in hand right now? Seed. What, what is the next words out of Joseph's mouth? When your crops come in? When what you have been given produces in a way that's exponential, when those crops come in, give a fifth to Pharaoh. Your tax burden is going to be set, maxed out at 20%. That, that, that's a good kingdom right there. I can assure you. There's no place in our kingdom that can do this. Hadn't seen that in a long time. The other four-fifths you may keep as seed. Wow. Wow. For the fields and as food for yourselves and your households and your children. See, when you've been given seed, you've also been given food. What is their response to this? You have saved our lives. Gratefulness, gratefulness, gratefulness. You are the Savior. You have saved us. May we find favor in the eyes of the Lord. We will be in a servant-hearted nature towards Pharaoh forever. Amen. Come on now. This faith-filled speech that we have here, when the crop is coming in, you get to give a fifth. You're a slave. You ain't got nothing. Y'all like that? Y'all like that vernacular there? You ain't got nothing. You couldn't even provide the seed that you need. You had to give everything for that. And you get to give a fifth of what has been provided for you and the uh, exponential return that you've received. Are you seeing that the gratefulness that it took to receive the blessing is the same type of gratefulness that is required to continue on to receive what he's given? 20%, that's a lot. That seems, that seems to be a heavy price. Except that you deserve zero. <laughs> that's exactly right. You deserve 0%. You get to keep 80%. How can you be anything but grateful at the 20% that you are joyful to come and bring into the house of God? What is it required of me? Oh, I love that. What a blessing that is. How grateful I am because I'm still alive to be able to give it. Come I've on. been given the seed that I'm now returning a fifth of, and I get to keep four-fifths of what has been given. It's easy when you're talking about seed and looking at Joseph. What about our lives? When you've given your all, it's got to be with an attitude of gratefulness that you come back in and continue to do this. Why? Because it's for you as a person, but it's for your family, and it's for the generations. Amen. Amen. Church, it's at this point that the people shouted, you have saved our lives. You're looking at the one that you have given everything to, and he's given to you in abundance, and you're like, you saved my life. You saved the life of my kids. You saved the life of my generations. How can I not do anything else but be amazingly grateful at what you've done? Church, this is how you're no longer going to, no longer just going to the storehouse, but you become the storehouse of gratefulness in this place. You know, there's a beautiful part of this story is that they're shouting, you have saved our lives. They're shouting to a Jewish 
man who is ruling over Jews and Gentiles. This is the fulfillment of the name that they gave him, Zaphonophaneah, Savior of the world. It's the fulfillment of the very name of Yeshua. Yahweh is salvation. We see in this the plan of God that God would elevate his son to the highest position. And he would provide salvation for all the world, both Jews and Gentiles combined together. That what we have in front of us is a story that gives us the ability to be grateful. That what God has begun, he will see it unto completion and his plan will produce an abundance of gratefulness. When we're looking at this story, talking about storehouses and the gratefulness that fills these. Well, in our day in society, we don't have uh, silos that we go and get little bags of grain and go home to. But when I look in this church, I see storehouses of men and women. I see elders like Elder Charlie, who is a storehouse of gratefulness, of wisdom, and revelation. How many times have you sat in front of Charlie, and you begin to ask questions, and he kind of turns his head to the side and says, well, you know, brother. <laughs> and he opens up the storehouse of heaven, a revelation that he has. He speaks a word that transforms your life, and you haven't been the same since because he's brought it to Come you. On, that makes me think of some other storehouses in this room. I think of Elder Baj as a storehouse, a wealth of love, a wealth of encouragement, a wealth of, of correction, and, and all the things. Puts that hand on your shoulder, yeah. hugs you just tighter than you thought he would, and you don't ever want to leave that place. No. You, you can't, can't even you if can't. you wanted to. Don't, don't try it. Just stay there. This man is a storehouse who's created another storehouse in his son. Think yeah. about Nick Eregina as a storehouse. Yes. Comes yes. up with incredible gratefulness. Always got a smile on his face. You have no idea what difficult things may have gone on, and you don't care because you see him, and he's a storehouse of gratefulness. He's a storehouse of prophetic insight and the word. Anybody in this house been blessed by Nick Eregina? Oh, absolutely. See, that's what it's like to be a storehouse. That is, this is such a place that is filled with those who are not only learning how to go to the storehouse, but become the storehouse of gratefulness in themselves. Oh, that is our aim that our church and every person in it is becoming a storehouse of abundance of gratefulness. Well, I want you to consider Jesus' disciples. They were a storehouse. So everybody turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 and say grateful whenever you get there. As you're turning, we want you to know. Grateful storehouse. Grateful storehouse. These disciples had been transformed into a storehouse. But they couldn't always see it. The next passage that we're going to show you displays the very moment of that metamorphosis, of that transformation. In Matthew 14, starting in verse 16, Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Amen. So what's happening? The disciples see that a whole bunch of people are hungry. They look with their natural eyes to see what physical things they possess. And they reason, logically, we don't have enough for these people. You should send them away, Jesus. And Jesus takes this opportunity to change their perspective. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And then they say, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. You see, the disciples were crying out for the people to go find another storehouse. But Jesus says to them, they don't need to go find another storehouse because you are the storehouses. Amen. You see, what's about to get unlocked in a bunch of you guys this next year is you guys are entrusted with different leadership spots to be able to pour out what you've received is you're going to come up and go, I don't know. I don't feel like I have enough. And your father is going to be looking at you saying, give them something to eat. Amen. You give them something to eat. 
You have gathered up gratefulness. And some of you are going to start today gathering up gratefulness. You don't have to worry about what you didn't do in the past. Start storing it up right now. Start storing it up. Look at Matthew 13, 52. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a who has become a in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Whose storehouse is this? It's his. It's the one that's become the disciple. It's one that has learned and says, out of his storehouse. Didn't have to go find another one. He became the storehouse, and he's able to bring forth new treasures as well as old. Man, we are talking about some prophetic times in this house of what God is doing in our midst and is going to do in new ways. Let's go back to Matthew 14 and look at verse 18. Just turn the page. Verse 18 says this, bring them here to me. I want you to understand to bring them here is to bring the sacrifice of the loaves and the fish here. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Take the five loaves and the two fish. Take that which has been grace and a covenant. We're going we're gonna to lift these up to heaven. And what is the first thing that Jesus does? He says, give, he gave thanks. He displayed gratefulness and broke the loaves. He looked at the little that we brought to him and said, <laughs> I am so grateful. That was an exact translation from the, from the Greek. You're welcome. He gave thanks and then broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. Come on now. We're seeing them gather from the storehouses of heaven and become the storehouses that others are fed from. See, the first thing that Jesus did was give thanks. I, I want you to understand, this is the story of the feeding of 5,000 men plus the women and children. Do you realize if there would have been 50,000 men there that these five loaves and two fish would have been enough? There had been five million people there. Did, did you know these five loaves and two fish would have been enough? Why? Because they were given out of an attitude of gratefulness. And he, Jesus thanked the Lord and he gave it to them. He could have done this by himself. That would have been easy. But what he did was he gave to the disciples and they gave to the people so that this would continue on. That the disciples would understand that they are the storehouse. Look, I, wanna, I want you to understand that is what is going to happen this year. Somebody say this year. That's what's going to happen this year in this house. Going to give to disciples and the disciples give to the people. This is what we're doing when we're talking to you about maximizing your marriages. Oh, but we've already been through that. Yeah, you're going to get rid of those kind of thoughts and you're going to understand what the Lord is doing. We're going to maximize our marriages. We're going to perfect our parenting and we're going to multiply ministries. Amen. We're going to multiply the storehouse that's in you, and you are going to have more than enough to give to the people. We're going to start with five loaves and two fish. And what happens? You know the story. They gather up 12 baskets of leftovers. After everyone ate, after everyone was satisfied, they collected more than they started with. They collected more than they started with. Can anybody identify with that principle in this house already? We bring him our little, and he's already returned more than what you started with. That is only going to magnify and multiply in this year. See, the goal is, is that every man and every woman in this house is going to be a storehouse of gratefulness. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hasn't that been what this year is? We have in our possession now more than what we started out with. In the same way that God is abundantly blessing the disciples, he's abundantly blessing us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and start with verse 6. Say grateful storehouse when you get there. Shout it loud too. Sorry, verse 8 was where we pick up. 
And God is able. God is able to bless you abundantly. Now look, as we read forward, I want you to say with me out loud the word all. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Well, we have in our possession the ability to gather the grains of gratefulness. Like my Pastor Slaughter mentioned, now is the time. Yes. If your storehouse is abundant, still now is the time. Let's gather more. If it's empty, now is the time to gather more, trusting that God will abundantly supply us in every way with all things at all times. Beyond measure. And listen to this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, you hear this, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I am telling you, as you guys were giving thanks, my wife and I were sitting back there against that wall on New Year's Eve. You were testifying and we were weeping, smiling at each other as you guys testified. We were giving thanks to God by the gratefulness that you were showing You were drawing out seeds from your storehouses and sharing them like passing out a meal. You were feeding everybody in the room as you were giving thanks, as you were being grateful. Look at that. And it was an abundant supply that you were giving and it was multiplied. And then didn't you feel more grateful after you shared your testimony? That's the increasing measure. That's the abundance thanksgiving to God because of your gratefulness. Let's look at verse 12. This service that you perform, what service? The giving freely, the having all that you need, and being grateful as you give, it causes other people to also enjoy and become grateful. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of gratefulness, of thanksgiving to God. This is what happens, is when we can get our hearts right, when we are giving out of gratefulness, it brings the gratefulness out of someone else, and then together we're grateful and we continue to give, and what happens is gratefulness and gratefulness and gratefulness. The seed, the food is multiplied so that we can have all that we need in every situation at all times. This is the joy of having a gratefulness that has been gathered into the very storehouses of our own lives. Amen. When our gratefulness is combined, do you see how God gets the glory? Well, turn with us to Revelation chapter 11, and let's see how this is displayed in the heavenly realms. We'll start in verse 16. Grateful storehouse. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God, fell on their faces and worshiped God. And this is what they said, church. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The context of what we're reading, it comes after immediately after the two witnesses going through the trials that they went through. There's a time of tribulation. This is a moment when the kingdom of of the world has become the kingdom of our Messiah. When those who once visited the storehouse have they themselves become storehouses, storehouses of gratefulness. So how do we join this thankfulness, this gratefulness in the heavenly realms? It's gained when you are gratefully giving all, you're sacrificing all. If there's no bitterness here, because he has saved our lives, everything that we have is because of him, for him, and through him. 
There's no resentment of sacrifice. There's a joy to sacrifice because you have saved our lives. That every grain that we have gathered of gratefulness and that which we will gather, we will store in us as storehouses of gratefulness. Church, stand to your feet with us today. What I love about as you are gathering the grain of gratefulness in your life, do you know what happens at some point? You're no longer even trying to calculate it. You've moved beyond counting how much you've given, and you realize that you are grateful because you are receiving back so much more than you could possibly give. You are looking for ways to continue to give, that in every way you can be as generous as possible. Why? Generous with the gratefulness that God has put within you. Church, it's time. It's time. It's time for us to gather this grain of gratefulness in every single area of our life, that we're able to do this. If you've been doing it, then do it more. It is time for us. If you haven't been doing it, then this is your year to get to gathering the grains of gratefulness. Come on, let's raise our hands right now to the Lord. Mighty God, we are grateful. We are thankful. Lord, we are so thankful for what you have done in our midst, Lord, that in the midst of famine, Lord, we're not looking to just survive. We're looking and thinking about the generations. Lord, cause our hearts to become grateful today, that we can store up, that we can gather up the grains of gratefulness. Lord, that today in our hearts, there be an exuberance, understanding that you have saved our lives and you continue to do this, Lord, that you will multiply the ministries in this house, Lord, that we can stand in gratefulness, that it will not only get us to the seed, but is what will continue to walk with us as we stay in gratefulness to you, Lord. Mighty God, we love you. We worship you. We exalt you in this house.